You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and now the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, the final podcast of the week, but a lot to cover because we're almost expecting a Pelicans decision over the weekend to be made on their new head basketball executive person. Remember, we're not using GM, President of Basketball Operations, top basketball decision maker over the weekend. I think that's important. So today, we're going to look at a couple of things. We've got some news on the G League team coming in. We've also got the lottery set. The season's done. We'll take a look at the Pelicans' odds there, how it all works with a three-way tiebreaker. That's a little bit confusing, but we'll clarify it for you all. And then to look at Danny Ferry really quickly, probably the odds on favorite for the head basketball decision maker job. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start with the lottery odds because this one is pretty easy. So the Pelicans finish in a tie for seventh worst record in the league with Dallas and Memphis, a three-way tie. Thank you, Memphis, for beating the Golden State Warriors on the final game of the regular season. They all finished with identical 33 and 49 records. That is a far cry from where we thought New Orleans was going to be next season or this season. So the way the lottery works, as we've said, is you have a chance at a top four pick. It used to be three, now it's top four. And the odds are kind of weighted a little bit different. Now, the top three worst teams in the league all have an equal 14% chance at getting the top number one overall pick when it didn't used to be that way. The worst team used to have about a 25% chance. So now it's a little bit different. So being tied for seventh, basically all of these teams are splitting the odds and making things even between them all. They all are getting a 26.3% chance at a top four pick overall. 26.3% with a 6% chance at the number one overall pick. And basically, you draw ping pong balls. You get combinations of the numbers, and then they draw the ping pong balls, and you see if it matches any of the ones that you have. So that's where they stand right now. But what if these teams don't move up and don't jump into the top of the lottery? Where do they then fall? That comes to basically coin flips, I believe, is how they break ties here. So it's between three teams. So I don't know exactly how they're doing it with the three-team tie since, you know, a coin is going to go either way. Um, But I'm sure there's some tiebreaker that they'll do. Basically, that tiebreaker will determine then who's picking seven, eight, or nine should no one move up. Teams move up, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, So I don't know if anyone will from that range. It's kind of rare to see. Basically, though, this means that the Pelicans can finish somewhere in between one and four, or they could go to seven, eight, or nine, or they could drop all the way down to 11 or potentially 13 if um, teams behind them jump up. That would take all the teams behind them jumping up to move them down past nine real or to move them into 11 or more something like that. So depends on where they fall, I guess. So you can move around a little bit 
It's unlikely given where they are, but it could happen that a team from behind them will jump up there. So we'll see. The Pelicans have had some good luck in the past with the lottery, and that's kind of how it's going to be standing as it is right now. But a 26.3% chance at a top four pick and a 6% chance for the opportunity to draft Zion Williamson with the number one overall pick. So it's going to be an interesting and important offseason for the Pelicans. The best way to do it, of course, is to subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast through the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-changing podcast world, there's too many. You need something that helps you find the content that you want. Himalaya does that with their personally curated playlists and new features being added every single day. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked on Pelicans podcast through Himalaya. Some news on the G League front for the Pelicans, something we haven't heard much about in a little bit other than that the team would be playing in Birmingham in the future, and they're going to be taking over the Erie Bayhawks franchise in Erie, Pennsylvania next season. Well, the other day, I think it was on Wednesday, Gail Benson went and visited the offices in the front office and just the leadership group of the Erie Bayhawks as they start to plan for the future with this G League team. This is really cool for a number of reasons because the Erie Bayhawks had said no NBA owner had ever visited them before, even though they've been affiliated with the Hawks and the Orlando Magic in the past. And none of the owners went up there to kind of visit them, showing that maybe it wasn't being taken as seriously as it could be. But now an NBA owner did show up, did spend the time there, which shows you probably the Pelicans' commitment, again, probably, the Pelicans' commitment to what they want to do with this G League franchise and get things up and running and make that an asset and a valuable part of the team. This is important for the future. Again, in small markets, you need kind of every advantage, every edge you can get. And if that means putting guys in the G League and then when they're ready, bringing them up to the parent club in the NBA, you have a guy on a cheap contract who can produce. You need things like that more than ever now in the NBA in the small market. And you can get that through a G League team and you need to put good people in place around that. It sounds like the current ownership structure for the the Bayhawks is going to be there and continue working with it with the front office that they have too. But you need to have some Pelicans people put in place with that too. Something that a new GM, of course, will likely be doing. There's a big shakeup over in Memphis yesterday on the day after the season ends when, of course, a lot of people lose their jobs. Things are in flux. You kind of look at their G League team as maybe the model that you want to run things off of here for the Pelicans. They have a very strong brand identity. They've had a number of players go from there to the actual Grizzlies and play this year. Hell, in that final game that beat the uh, Golden State Warriors, it was like a G League team for Memphis basically playing. And they won. And they've had a number of guys come up, whether it's with the Grizzlies or with other teams from that franchise. So you need someone associated with these G League teams who knows how to run it, who can help you with that. There's a lot of things in flux there. If you want to poach a person from Memphis, now would be a good time. And there's a guy with Louisiana ties that I think is probably a good fit for a number of things here with the Pelicans front office and with the G League too. And that's Wade Langlaw, who's got LSU ties, by the way. Um, So I think that's someone you want to try and look at or people in the mold of him, young, who want to work with this G League team, who have some player development experience too, and just know how to get the most out of those guys. Because again, in a small market, you need to hit on the fringe things. And a G League team's a really good way to do it. 
So they're going to be playing in Erie, Pennsylvania next year with maybe an eye to move to Birmingham the season after that. Depends on when arena renovations get done. Hopefully that'll be done sooner rather than later so they can get there a little bit closer than Pennsylvania is. Maybe a little bit nicer weather too. I'm assuming it's really cold there. By the way, the Erie Bayhawks history... Really, really confusing because people have them kind of moving multiple times, even though they've always had the Erie Bayhawks there. And I'm not really sure what went on with the, if it's history's moving or not, but basically Atlanta used to have them. They're moving their team to College Park in Atlanta near them. And then the Pelicans have decided just to kind of take over, but it counts as a new franchise. But even though it's already been there and it's the same name and logo and everything, little bit confusing and same ownership structure too. I don't quite understand how it works, but basically all you need to know with this is there's going to be a G League team for the Pelicans next year playing there um, or the season after. We're going to see if they can get things up and running that quickly. But the Pelicans making an appearance there, really important, really good to see shows they're taking this seriously. So we got playoffs this weekend. You want to know about all the matchups? There's some interesting ones in the first round. Best way to do it, Locked On NBA Podcast. We've got previews from all of our hosts who cover the team like no one else does. They've got that inside perspective, the boots on the ground perspective that sometimes gets lost with the national media. So make sure you listen to our Locked On NBA previews so that you can see who's going to win these matchups, what you want to pay attention to in some of these first round games. All right, so we know we're going to get some resolution to the Pelicans front office personnel search sooner rather than later. I want to talk a little bit about Danny Ferry here because, again, it seems like he's the front runner for this position. And a lot of people are really nervous about this. And while I agree it's not a sexy hire is maybe the best way to put it. It's not kind of that exciting, fresh move that a lot of people are really hoping for and looking for. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bad decision Either And yes, he has some kind of the stink associated with the previous front office regime with him. But again, he's got a good track record when he's the one making the decision. So with that in mind, uh, there's a couple misconceptions, I think, out there. And one is that he won't get kind of the sweeping control that he would want. So I go back and forth on this because I've heard some stories recently about Gail Benson and maybe her inability to let others control things and run things the way they'd like and she kind of wants it done her way and she's the owner you know what she has every right to want that we don't know whether she's going to be a good owner or not just yet she's certainly not done anything wrong in her about year here so far but it remains to be seen whether she can make these proper hires or nail these hires and how she really runs the franchises the sample size just doesn't exist the amount of important decisions hasn't really existed for her to make it's not a knock on her it's just she is an incomplete grade as of now but when it comes to Danny Ferry I don't understand something that's been floated around on Twitter a good bit maybe someone can explain it to me and it got tweeted at me by a number of people the other day and I've seen others tweeting it and it's people who feel like Ferry will be hamstrung as the main lead basketball decision maker here in New Orleans because he was already with the franchise. Like they can control him in some capacity because he was already here. Whereas if they brought in someone who wasn't with the team before, they wouldn't be able to control that person. I'll be honest. I just straight up don't get it. I don't get that argument, you know, against him. You would think from his history with the Atlanta Hawks that he wants to make sweeping changes, big changes. Maybe he can compromise on some of those, but he wants to come in and maybe shake things up. 
And he probably wouldn't take the job if he wasn't allowed to do it. You would think this would be be made probably pretty clear what he can do. In your interview, you might go in and go, look, I want to change a number of things. I want to change how this is done, this is done, this is done. And if they don't want that change, they're not going to give him the job. Or they might go counter him and say, no, you'll be doing all this, this, and this, but you can't touch this, this, and this. And if he wants to make those changes, then you know, he might not take the job. But I don't know if this puts him in a in a weaker position from having been with the franchise already. That's the thing that I just don't get. I don't know if any GM or would be able to come in and make the changes they want to make if Gale isn't going to let them do it, which could create some problems further down the line. But again, we don't know, to be honest. I've heard some stuff that goes both ways on Gale Benson, but I also just know that, you know, if you want this job and these are your requirements for it, you don't, you know, and they don't give it to you, you don't have to take the job. Ferry's done enough probably to rehab his reputation that there will be other positions available for him in the future. Same for these other guys that they're interviewing. David Griffin could have his pick of jobs. You know, Trajan Langdon's eventually going to be able to get a pick of jobs. Gerson Rosas is going to be able to get his pick of jobs. He's going to be up for a number of things this summer, too. So don't take the one then if it's not really what you want. There's no point in that. And we saw Rosas leave the Mavs over something like that. So I, I keep that in mind when they're doing this, that if these people take the job, they probably are comfortable with whatever the stipulations are. And seeing how they've tried to run things in the past or have run things in the past, well, then they probably aren't going to take the job if it doesn't match what they want, what they're looking for in a position. So I think that's something that that argument I really don't get, don't really understand. It actually gives me hope for whoever does take this that they're entering a situation where, that they like, that they feel comfortable with, that they think they can succeed in. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully we'll get some news over the weekend. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and of course, the Himalaya Podcast app. As always, I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and we'll be back with you all on Monday.